Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. I want to talk a little bit about fear, and I'm going to be talking about stress over the next few days and, and weeks. You know, I've been finding myself um, getting my material for preaching from my books that I've already written, and I'm not trying to sell you a book. I'm just saying um, God God equips us throughout our lives for moments like this. We don't we're not like the guy who, you know, looks outside. We're not like the 98 pound weakling that looks outside and sees a thief, a burglar coming up his driveway. And so the guy decides to go down in his basement and get his weights out and his dumbbells out and start working out. We're not that guy. We're not the guy who starts working out the day before a tournament. We're not the guy who starts working out the day before a fight. You understand? We're the guy that's in the gym, spiritually speaking. We're the guys, we're the gals, we're the men and women, boys and girls. We're the people that every Sunday and every Wednesday we're training for raining. We're training for raining. We're training for raining. We're training every time our doors are open, every time now our online services are open. We're training for what's coming ahead. We're not reacting to what's coming now. We've already been training for what's coming now. We're training for raining because we're getting ready for 2021. We're get, our faith is building and growing for 2022. We're getting our faith muscles built for 2030 and for whatever comes 10 years from now and whatever comes and whatever hits this world, whatever hits this earth, whatever hits this country, whatever hits your country, we're ready for it. We're not people that are going to be at the last minute like the like the bridegrooms or the like the 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 the, the girls the, what do you call them? The bridesmaids. There's 10 virgins, right? Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. We're not going to be like those foolish ones that we're just kind of sleeping in and just waiting around and we're not prepared. And all of a sudden at the midnight, there's a sound, a trumpet sound and the, the bridegroom is arriving and the virgins, five of them have their lamps lit because they had enough oil. And five of them are like, man, give us some of your oil. Remember, five of them said to the, the foolish ones, said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. And the wise ones said, we, we're not going to be able to give you some of our oil and then have enough for ourselves. You need to go to the store and make a purchase. You know what? There's a CVS that may have some oil. There's a target. There may be a store open. Now, you're not going to find any hand sanitizer and you're not going to find any toilet paper, but you might find some oil. So go down there as quick as you can. You see, we're not going to be those people. We're not going to be the people that wait till the last minute to prepare ourselves for adversity and to prepare ourselves for fiery trials and fiery ordeals. No, we're going to prepare in advance. We're going to prepare now for what's coming. We life changers, people that are watching right now. You already got this one. You already got the victory for this one. You already are ahead of this one. You're already the head and not the tail above and not beneath. You've already had your faith prepared. I already taught you how to take charge of your emotions. I already taught you how to pray with authority. I already taught you how to use your tongue. I already taught you that you have a covenant. I already taught you that you're healed by his stripes. I already taught you that God's on your side. I already taught you that what should we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I already taught you how to lay hands on the sick or 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 lay your gloves on them. I don't care what you do, but stay away from six feet, get them healed from six feet out. I don't care. But the fact is, is you're already ready for this. You're already ready for this. I'm getting you ready for other stuff. You're already ready for this now for new people. 
that are joining us. And they're like, oh, who is this crazy guy? I don't know if I can come there when the doors start opening. He looks like he's spitting on me. Well, thank God nobody is in front of me within at least 15 feet. Well, there's nobody in front of me between me and the camera. There's nobody in front of me except the cameraman. That's way over there. So I could spit as far as I want. I could I could sneeze and nobody's going to get anything. You understand? But my point is. Is for those of you that are new. This may be new to you, but we're not trying. To be good Christians and to have a good, you know, stiff upper lip and take one on the chin. We're not trying to be good Christians. We're not trying to pretend that we're OK. We are OK. We are OK. We are OK. Because God is with us. There are so many people in the Bible that faced so many worse things than what's happening in this world right now. So many worse things in this. I'm not trying to minimize. This crisis, but I do want to put it in perspective and I want to take you to a scripture in first Peter, chapter four, verse twelve. And I love this verse. You're going to love this verse. First Peter, chapter four, verse twelve. And listen to what Peter says, beloved, you're God's beloved. Beloved, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. You know why? And this is nothing against the Japanese, but I'm going to use the Japanese as an example in World War Two. Do you know why the Japanese succeeded at killing so many in Pearl Harbor? Do you know in 1941 when there was the attack, the Japanese attack in World War Two, the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii? You know why they you know why they were successful with that attack? Because they caught America by surprise. They caught America by surprise. You know why sometimes you know why? Um, who was it that um, who, who was it that beat Mike Tyson? Who was the first guy that beat that beat Mike Tyson? Was it Buster Douglas? Exactly, because nobody remembers him because he caught. I, I remember in Mike Tyson's prime, if you followed boxing at all, in Mike Tyson's prime back in, I don't know, the 90s or whenever it was in his prime, he would hit somebody so hard the first 30 seconds of a fight that he would knock out everybody. He didn't go. They, I don't think he, anybody made it past three rounds with the guy. He was undefeated. He knocked out everybody until Buster Douglas came and beat him, I think was the guy that, that beat him. And it's because he caught him by surprise. He caught him by surprise. Why does an underdog team in the NFL all of a sudden beat in one like they just get a this this incredible um, this is what they call an upset, right? An incredible upset. What happened? Why did that team? Why was that team with lesser talent able to beat that team with more talent? They caught him by surprise. They caught him by surprise. So listen, I want to encourage you in your faith. Beloved, do not be surprised, he says, at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. He said, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, which means that you're suffering for your faith, you're not. It doesn't mean suffering through disease and sickness, although we can overcome that, too. 
But he said, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Now go over with me to James chapter one for a moment, verse two. And he says the same thing. James chapter one, verse two, he says the same thing. Consider it all joy, my brethren, count it all joy when you encounter various trials like there is a real lack of joy right now in people's lives. There's a lack of humor because nobody wants to be disrespectful to somebody who's sick. But yet, folks, there are so many other people suffering right now today of other things and nobody's thinking about them. And I want to encourage you. We need to think about and we need to pray for and we need to visit and we need to call anyone who's suffering, whether it's Corona, whether it's something else. We need to be thinking about other people and we need to be using our faith for others. And he says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I would say we're in a time of various trials uh, and mult multiplied trials. One translation says a myriad, an abundance of trials. I, I, how about I mean, I've had times where I got more trials than I have than I know what to do with. But the Bible says, count it all joy, which is an accounting term. He says, after you add it all up, just realize after you add up all the trials and you consider this, that your faith is greater than the trials. Your faith is greater than the fire. Love is stronger than death. Hope is stronger than uncertainty. And he says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Every one of us needs to endure. We need to endure tough times. Tough times never last, but tough people do. And when we talk about being a tough person, I'm talking about a person who has enduring faith, faith that doesn't wilt at the first sign of trouble, faith that doesn't wilt. And you say, well, all right, come on, ha have compassion on us. We're going through tough times. I have all the compassion that you'll ever need. Je Jesus has it and I got it and our church has it. And if you need food, come to the church and come to our food bank, our food pantry. We'll bless you and we'll make sure that your baskets are full. We want you blessed and we're going to have if you need prayer, you call us. If if if, if you know somebody who's suffering, you let us know. And somebody sent me a message, said somebody was they sent me a screenshot and said this person is suffering. Contact them, please. And we contacted that person right away, prayed with them, prayed with their family and we're there for them. Listen, there's great compassion, but we have to have enduring faith today. We have to not give up so fast. We have to not be people that wilt when it's hot. We got to be able to handle the heat. It says count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have James chapter one, verse six, he's or verse four goes on to say, and let endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. He's not saying perfect, meaning flawless. He's saying mature, mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, I prophesy to you right now. I prophesy to every person watching me right now. You are coming into a place of lacking nothing in Jesus name. You are coming into a place of lacking nothing. You are coming into a season of lacking nothing. I'm not believing for you to decrease. I'm believing for you to increase. God is wanting to increase you. 
God is wanting to bless you. You say, come on, just give us something practical. This is what's practical. What's practical is believing the Bible in times like these. That's why we study on every Sunday and Wednesday for times like these. That's why we gather together online for times like these. That's why we keep giving when things are going good or bad for times like these. That's why we keep believing when things are good or bad for times like these. Can you say amen? I I didn't hear that. All right. That's that's a little better. Come on now. He said, but look. You're going to come to a place of lacking nothing when you're when you when you keep your faith. Let your faith endure. When you encounter various trials, rejoice. We need to rejoice. It's not by making fun of people. It's not by belittling or being dismissive of of, or insensitive to people that are suffering. But it's rejoicing in the midst of your trials. Count it all joy. Start praising God anyway, because that is how your faith becomes complete and how your faith builds up endurance. That's building your faith muscle. You're never going to build a physical muscle without lifting something heavier than what you're used to and tearing down the fibers of your muscles and then restoring them with food and nutrition and sleep and rest. This is how our faith grows in times where we're being stretched and we give anyway. We praise anyway. You know what's happening when you give anyway? You know what's happening when you praise anyway? You know what's happening? You know what happens when you're thankful anyway? You know what happens when you when you rejoice anyway? What happens is you're building up that faith muscle and you're causing your faith to become enduring and mature so that you can be complete, lacking nothing. But if there's anything lacking. He says, verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God. So now here is the secret is that we are we we need to learn to to operate in faith and wisdom at the same time. Faith says I'm healed by his stripes. Wisdom says I'm going to stay six feet away from people. Faith says I'm healed by his stripes. Wisdom says um, wash your hands. Amen. Like We have to honor both. It's not one or the other. Either we have faith or we don't or we don't have faith. Either we have faith or we have wisdom. It's not either or it's both. You can have faith. I'm healed by his stripes and you can have wisdom. Wash your hands. You see, you see. But he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and he upbraideth not or without reproach. And it says and it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith. Not doubting for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Now, I didn't write the book of James. I'm just I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't be mad at the messenger. You can get mad with James. He was the brother of Jesus. By the way, he wrote the book of James. He said for that man. Should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You might say that's offensive. Why can't I expect to receive something from the Lord? You can. You can expect to receive something from the Lord, but you got to ask in faith. The one who asks and then doubts, the one who asks and then starts trashing and 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 
you know, uh, speaking against what he just asked for. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable in all his ways, it says in verse eight. Now, this is not the emphasis. The focus here is not on being double minded. The focus is on being single minded. Let's ask in faith. What does that mean when you when you find a promise from God's word, ask for it and believe you receive it the moment you ask and give God thanks for it because you believe you received it. That's asking with faith. That's asking in faith. Now, faith and fear are opposing forces as fear and love are opposing forces. Perfect love casts out fear. But perfect love is not our love for others. That's imperfect love. Perfect love is God's love for us. So when you believe that God loves you perfectly, you'll believe that God's promises will come to pass because a person that loves perfect love makes a promise and keeps their promise. Imperfect love makes a promise because they still love, but it's imperfect love. They make a promise and sometimes they don't keep their promise. And we can be forgiving to people in that situation because we've broken our promises at times, too. Right. But perfect love never breaks a promise. Perfect love makes a promise and never breaks the promise. And perfect love is God's love. I promise you I will meet all your needs. That's a promise. And when you believe in his perfect love, you're like, OK, God said he'll meet my needs according to this promise. And therefore, he has perfect love for me. Therefore, I expect my needs to be met. God promised in his word by his stripes, I'm healed. Therefore, I believe in his perfect love so that his promise, he made that promise. He's going to keep that promise. You see, what will deliver us from fear is when we believe that God will keep his promises. The only time we get afraid. If you can, if this makes sense to you, like all of us, we have signals of fear often in our in our throughout our day. We have signals in our brain that tell us to fear. But what I'm saying to you is the thing that will deliver you from fear, because it says in um, Psalm 34, somewhere in I think Psalm 34, verse four or Psalm 34, verse seven, it says that um, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. He he delivered me from all my fears. When you look to him, he'll deliver you from all your fears. And the way that we look to him it says they look to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. When we look to his promises, we're looking to him. God and his promises are inseparable. When he makes a promise, that's God is his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So God and his word are inseparable. God is his word and his word is him. And therefore, he keeps his word because if he were to break his word, he would cease being him and he's never going to cease being him. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. But I want you to I want to take you to a, and let me you know, kind of tie this together now with what I had planned on talking to you about fear and put it all together for you in the next few moments. Um, and let me give you some the following steps to be delivered from fear and to be free from fear. Number one. You have to meditate or believe 
that God's word is true. You have to believe that God's word is true because fear, fear comes from a place like when you feed on information that is negative, it will produce fear in your life. When you feed on information that's Bible based, word of God, promise based, it will produce faith. Whatever you feed on is what you're going to have. So if you feed on bad news, you're going to have fear. If you feed on good news, you're going to have faith and confidence. And that's why we need to feed on God's promises. But we need to know that just because the media says something about the crisis doesn't make it the truth. There may be some things that they say that are factual and some things that are not factual. Why do we have more confidence in the media than we have in God's word? Do you know how many times politicians have lied? Do you know how many times the media have gotten the stories wrong and yet we still turn on the news and the smartest business owners, the smartest CEOs in the world still advertise, still pay television stations to show their products during the newscast. Do you understand? They are buying commercials during the newscast with newscasters that get the story wrong half of the time, at least maybe more, maybe less sometimes. But how many of us have made jokes about the weatherman, how the weatherman is sometimes just wrong. And for years, people would make fun of the weather guy on, on the news channels because they were wrong so often and yet they still got paid. They still got to be on TV. They never lost their job for being wrong, but everybody believes them when they say, oh, it's going to rain. So you get your umbrella. It's going to snow. So you get your boots. It's going to be sunny. So you get your suntan lotion. We believe now whatever the news tells us, even when it's wrong and we keep going back to them. I'm trying to illustrate a point here. I'm not trying to I'm, I'm not trying to to be overly critical of the media. The media is made up of people and people get it wrong a lot. I get it wrong. You get it wrong. But let me tell you who doesn't get it wrong. God does not ever get it wrong. God's word is the truth. And what I'm trying to get across to you is if you will realize, if you will accept this reality, this truth that God's word is true. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, the word is true. John 17, verse 17, Jesus said to the father, your word is truth. Your word is truth. If you could accept this. And embrace the word of God as the truth. Listen, truth and facts don't have to contradict. It could be a fact that this number of people are going to get this virus. That could be a fact. But the truth is greater than the fact, not different than the fact, greater than the fact. The fact is really there, but something greater than the fact exists. It's just like 10 is greater than seven. It doesn't mean seven doesn't exist. It just means 10 is greater. Ten dollars is better than one dollar. It doesn't mean the one dollar doesn't exist. It's just better to have 10. Come on. Somebody needs to say amen to that one now. But listen, here's the point. 
is that it could be a fact that this virus is going to kill X number of people. But the truth is greater than the fact. And the truth is that by his stripes, you're healed. That's the truth. You see, that doesn't that doesn't mean that the fact didn't exist. We're not denying the, we're not pretending that there aren't facts. We're just saying that we recognize in our life, we recognize that something greater than facts exist. And the thing that is greater than the facts is the truth. And the word of God is the truth. In fact, he says, your word is truth. He doesn't he doesn't even say the truth. He says it's just truth. So take God at his word. Secondly, to overcome fear, consider God's track record. Consider God's track record. Do you know that first Kings chapter eight, verse fifty six says every word has come true of all of God's good promises. Every word has come true. Of all of God's good promises, not one word has failed. Of all his good promise. Woo! That ought to get you excited. Not one promise has failed. So God has a great track record. In fact. There are over one thousand. Prophecies or predictions in the Bible that have already took taken place or something in that neighborhood, six or seven hundred or close to a thousand prophecies in the Bible that have already taken place. In other words, God predicted something would happen years before it happened and it happened every single time. Now, listen, the chances of that happening. Of even. 10 to 20 of these promises. Now, almost 1000 promises that God has made have already come to pass historical prophecies that have been fulfilled. The chances that 10 to 20 of these prophecies being fulfilled, listen to the odds, one out of four hundred and fifty billion times a billion times a billion. The statistics say that in order for 10 to 20 of these prophecies to have already come to pass, and I'm telling you, hundreds of them already have come to pass. But scientists and mathematicians have studied and said, if even 10 or 15 of these prophecies to come for, for that, for that number of prophecies to come to pass, predictions about the future that came to pass, would be one out of four hundred and fifty billion times a billion times a trillion. That's the odds that 15 or 20 of the predictions or prophecies of the Bible would come to pass. And yet hundreds of them have already come to pass. Hundreds, a thousand. You understand? I'm talking about real prophecies like this is going to happen in three days. This is going to happen in Israel. This is going to happen in Bethlehem. This is going to happen in Nazareth. Jesus said this is going to happen in three days. I'm going to rise from the dead. Like you can go through all these prophecies. He said you're going to go out and there's going to be a donkey there. And sure enough, there was a donkey. And you're going to say the master has need of this. And I mean, we could go from Genesis to Revelation, hundreds 
and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies and even that have been studied by historians and, and astro um, uh, archaeologists that have examined these things, historians and, and, and archaeologists examine these things. Is it true? Woo. So what am I trying to tell you? Consider God's track record and that's going to drive fear out of your life. Every word that God says is going to come to pass. Every word is truth. Every word. All right. Number three. Realize that fear is powerful. And fear is negative faith. Fear is simply negative faith. You got to realize fear is powerful. Job said in Job chapter three, verse twenty five, what I have feared has come upon me. What I have feared has come upon me. So we need to attack this fear. Because when we start being afraid, how many listen to me now, this will make sense. How many of us have coughed in the last few weeks or sneezed or felt something in our chest, a little tightness, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, oh man, that must be it. That must be it. I must be next. And then nothing happened because you didn't act on that fear. But we all felt it. We all thought it. We all had those impulses. But you know what I'm doing when those fears come on me? Because I've I've listened to them for a few seconds and then I just like slap myself and said, I'm healed by his stripes. I'm now if I felt symptoms, I would stay away from people even more. But my point is, is that when something comes upon me and the the fear is what's more dangerous than the cough, because I can cough, but not have the virus. But if I stay in a place of fear, that has more power to give me the virus than a germ than a germ does by itself. I'm not saying that fear can manufacture something that doesn't exist, but in some ways it can. It can make it worse and it can make your body fear can can cause physical harm to your body to where your immune system is broken and less effective because of fear. And that's why Job said what I have feared has come upon me. He got afraid of it so much and so much and so much that it, the thing he was afraid of actually finally happened. His fear was negative faith. It was faith in the negative. It was faith in the bad. We have to have faith in the good. We have to believe the good promises of God are going to fall upon us, not the fear that everybody's talking about that that's going to fall upon us. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your tent. Somebody needs to say amen to that. These are the words that this is what this is how we live. This is this is how we live, folks. This is how we live. This is this is we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I want to make it very clear. If you've had fear, it's nothing to be ashamed of. If you've had stress, if you've had anxiety, if you've been depressed, that's nothing to be ashamed of. It just needs to be felt and dealt. You got to feel it and then you got to deal it. You got to deal with it, feel with it and then deal with it. You, but you got to deal with it. If you just feel with it, it's going to control you. But you can feel with it and then you got to deal with it. And the way you deal with it is with something more powerful than fear. And that is the love of God, the promises of God. He'll keep his promises because he loves me. He'll keep he'll make his promise and he'll keep his promise. And I'm going to speak words of faith, not words of doubt. I mean, it's simple stuff. Your words have power. Build people up, encourage people. 
Use your words to produce an atmosphere of faith, not an atmosphere of fear. OK, and. Um, the next point, perfect love casts out fear. We've talked about that, but it's in first John four, verse 18. Perfect love casts out fear. God's love for you. Is going to drive fear out of your life, first John four, 18, God's love is going to drive fear out of your life when you are convinced that God loves you. How convinced am I? Well, he sent his son to die for me. And then he said, my sin that separated me from God was taken away. And now I'll never be separated from God again. You got to live in the reality that you will never be separated from God or his love again. When you're born again, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And number five, there is a promise from God's word for every need you'll ever experience. There is a promise in God's word for every need. You know how on your phone there's an app for just about anything. There's an app for the news. There's an app for the sports stations. There's an app for budgeting. There's an app for everything. There's an app for this. There's an app for that. I got good news for you. There's a promise for everything. There is a promise from God's word for everything that you'll ever face. Find the promise. Believe the promise. Pray the promise. Thank God for the promise. And fear is going to leave your life. And finally, let me close by saying. When you're born again. God's presence never leaves you. Your awareness of God's presence is sometimes left has left you. You're not thinking about it. But you need to be we need to become God inside minded. We need to become God, God's presence minded. We need to get our minds fixed on the fact that God is with us. God is with me no matter what I've done, no matter what I do. God never will leave me, never will forsake me. And that goes for you, too. And when you believe that and focus on that, the Bible says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thou art with me. Thou art with me. The awareness of God's presence is what delivers you from the fear. I will fear no evil. He doesn't say I will experience no evil. There will be no evil. He doesn't say that. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. His presence transcends whatever is happening in this world right now. Thank him for his presence. Enjoy his presence. Love him. Because his presence will never leave you or forsake you. I want to pray for you tonight. And you say, can you pray against fear? You can pray against fear. Whenever fear comes, you can pray and it will leave you. But I want to first pray for those that are watching right now that maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord. I want to pray for you. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, why not? Get sure. Why not be sure? I think with all that's happening in the world, it's shaken people and it's made them think about the serious things and the important things. And the most important thing is your salvation. And I want to pray with you if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord. Let's pray together and pray this out loud with me. I want to lead you in what people call the sinner's prayer. 
Hey, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is really the prayer of salvation. And God has already provided Jesus on the cross for you. Just pray the simple prayer. Heavenly Father, just like that, I believe. Jesus died for my sins. And rose from the dead. I believe the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all my sin. From this moment forward, I'm forgiven. I am a child of God. If you prayed that prayer just now, welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing over you being saved. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. It doesn't make us as Christians superior to anybody else. It just makes us his sons and daughters and gives us a place in heaven forever waiting for you. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, you let me know I have a book for you that I want to send as my gift to you. It's called The Power of a New Life. If you prayed that prayer, I'll send this book to you free of charge. Um, It's a Bible study on the next steps of the Christian life. And congratulations once again. And I thank God for you and I celebrate you and I praise God that you prayed that prayer. You can also for those of you that have family members that are not saved, that you'd like to use this moment or this time in the next several days and weeks to gently introduce them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a link on our page. It's a salvation link. And if you just look at Life Changers Church website, you look for the page on salvation and take that link and maybe we'll have it on the screen. We'll have it on Sunday if we don't have it on the screen now. But you can take that link, copy it and paste it and send it to your text it to your loved ones, uh, Facebook it to your loved ones, uh, send it in an email, whatever, however you want to get it. But it's it really is a glorious way of explaining the gospel. And you'll be glad you sent it to somebody. And thank you in advance. And thank you for being a part of tonight's service. And whenever you're watching, wherever you're watching, you are loved. You are being prayed for. You are being covered by this church. We are covering you in prayer. We're covering you in love. We're covering you in faith. If you need something, you let us know. If you know somebody that needs something, let us know. And right now, I want you to speak out loud. Say in the name of Jesus, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Say that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind. You see, when you begin to realize that God will never break his promises, you're going to start living a happy, joy filled life full of expectation of good and not evil. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for being a part of this. We'll see you Sunday and every day in between as well. God bless.